Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Also, follow us everywhere on social at DIY Money Podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to check out the video on YouTube. We've got some awesome bonus content there. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome to the show. This is DIY Money. It's DIY Money. I know. Quick intro. Just quick hitter. Come and send it right back at you. It's really good. Where can people follow us? You can follow us pretty much anywhere. Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook at DIY Money Podcast. Definitely go on there. Hit us up. Give us a subscribe. Also, check out the YouTube channel, which is just blowing up. It's doing really well. And you get to see our pretty faces when we talk on the And podcast. we switch spots. And we switch spots. You are I'm in the hot seat. over there. You're in the hot seat now. Yeah. How do you feel over there? It's weird. Jordan had to move my mic because I was moving my head wrong. Yeah. I don't know how to move my head on this side because I'm usually on the couch. And like, like, I can look this way on the couch, but I have to look this way over here. And I was doing something wrong, so Jordan moved it. Well, it looks I'm learning a lot this morning. Yeah. Well, it looks good. So what what's going on in your world? How's how's biking going? Cycling is going awesome. Yeah. Uh, Team's doing well. Uh, we're coming into a strong fall. My garage is getting cooler, so it's my favorite part of the year. Nice. Yeah, because in the summer, it is brutal. It's about 85 degrees or something in the morning in there. Uh, so it's actually pretty terrible for about two and a half months. And now we're like coasting into the nice, crisp, beautiful weather. So okay. uh, I love working out. And then in four months, I'll complain again. No pain, no gain. So when you say your team's doing well, what does that mean? Yeah, so we have a, a indoor cycling league uh, with riders from around the world, actually. Uh, so... Uh, a couple riders in the States, a couple in Canada, uh, UK, and Australia. And we have a, a early morning 5.15 Thursday league uh, that we get up and race against other people wow. uh, in a virtual world. That sounds very dorky. So That yeah. sounds awesome, actually. That's yeah. really cool. So, it's pretty fun. It's a good way to get a workout. It's like Peloton, but cooler. Okay. Yeah. No but offense like... to anybody who Pelotons. My wife <laughs> Pelotons, and she likes My it. My dad but... loves Pelotoning. Yeah. He's but on it's, it all the time. You know, cooler. Yeah, that does sound, it sounds a little cooler. But 515 does not sound cool to get on a bike. But hey, teach their own. Kids aren't up yet, so it's like the only time to like just get an hour to hour and a half of free time doing nothing. Okay, well, good. Except cycling, I guess. Speaking of preferences, let's hear um, the question that we have today from Alex. D-I-Y! Hey, Daniel and Quint. Alex from Baltimore, Maryland. I'm currently in a sales position, which has a base salary and a commission structure that pays out quarterly. This quarterly commission check can sometimes be between two to nine times higher than my normal biweekly paycheck. I have a six-month emergency fund and a high-yield account and paid off my high-interest credit card debt. My question to you guys is how should I allocate these extra funds at the end of the quarter? 70-30 or 60-40 between student debt and car debt, 4.7 and 5.3 fixed interest rates, or investing through a Roth and brokerage accounts? Thank you. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So Alex is in, sounds like a pretty sweet setup because he's in a job that generates commissions. So. Alex is the man. Alex probably has so for instance if he's in sales um he might have a kind of a lower base salary kind of like a you know just barely meets or maybe doesn't even meet his basic living expenses mm-hmm. and then he basically you know has to sell something or sign people up for something you know think of um uh think of people who might work in commission-based retail or uh software sales or something like that where they actually have to generate 
some type of some type of transactions and and then they get a commission off of that so uh, a lot of times in those positions um you get you know a very small income but you're you're not there for the income that you're getting right uh, that just kind of helps guarantee that you have a little bit of something uh, in case you're on that sort of two times higher side of things but usually able to go up to nine times higher than his paycheck sometimes yeah uh with the commissions which is pretty sweet so uh, i'd be interesting with our listening audience uh if any of you guys are in commission-based jobs tell us what that's like and what you do uh for your commission-based job mm-hmm. is it you know retail is it software sales uh, what are some of the industries that some of our listeners are in uh, commission-based jobs? But I thought that was interesting. What else did you pick up from uh, Alex's question? You know, it's interesting. He seemed like this. these checks are coming quarterly, it sounds mm-hmm. like, for the commission-wise. And it seems like he's kind of in one of those places where he's worried about, hey, where do I put this? What mm-hmm. is my priority for, for putting in these places? He has some student debt outstanding. He has some car debt outstanding. 4.7%, I assume, on the student debt. 5.3% on the car debt. And then also he mentioned in there, hey, I want to maybe invest into a Roth or mm-hmm. invest into a brokerage account or something like that. So he's kind of just weighing priorities is, is what I've noticed from from what he said. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, I didn't understand totally, Alex, the 70-30 versus 60-40. I think what he was trying to say uh, was the division between auto and student loan. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, because yeah. uh, the only reason I didn't understand that fully, Alex, was you also talked about investing in there. And 70, 30, and 60, 40 could actually be an allocation to stocks versus bonds. And so uh, it was kind of hard to, to decipher those two. Um, but I think it sounds like you're setting yourself up really well for success, Alex. You've got that six-month emergency fund, which is really good. I'd be interested to know <clears throat> a little bit more detail as far as when it comes to that base salary, how much does that base salary cover your actual living expenses? So right. if if commissions went away, you know, if we went through another sort of recession, pandemic, something like that, and you didn't make any commission, I don't know what business you're in, Alex, but let's say you didn't make any commission for three to six months. Are you tapping that emergency fund or is the base salary going to allow you to survive? So maybe you cut out you know, some of the luxuries in life, some of the things that you know are just additional expenses. Hey, the, you know... Mm-hmm. The nice roasted coffee or whatever that, and you're you know you're drinking the Senka or whatever it is. Is it Senka? Does that still exist? You don't drink coffee. You have no idea. I have it's no like instant clue coffee you mix with water, and it tastes like cardboard. It's really bad. Uh, we had that it probably up. tastes like cardboard to me. So that's don't even say that. How dare you? But anyhow, <clears throat> can you live off of that that uh, that base salary, or do you actually need part of that commission? Because if you actually need part of that commission, we've done a couple shows. Where we've talked to people who have sort of uh, irregular incomes. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we've always uh, talked about is saving up a pretty good chunk in that emergency fund. So if that income were to get disrupted, you could actually pay yourself out of that fund. Or kind of building up even a year in that fund, paying yourself out of that, depositing the checks in there. And basically, you'll see that fund increase over time when it increases over, you know, 12 months of pay or whatever. Then you're rolling that into investments. So... A um, couple different strategies we've talked about with that. What mm-hmm. would you do with the um, student loan, auto loan? Would you have a strategy there? What What would you be looking at or what would you consider when it comes to what to pay down first, why, et cetera? Yeah, I think one of the methods, at least when I talk to young people that has worked, is not necessarily, I think a lot of people think I have to tackle the highest interest rate first. Mm-hmm. I, I think that happens the majority of the time they say, hey, you know, this one's 5%, this one's 4.7%. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go for the 5% one, knock that down first. Because mathematically. Because mathematically makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. So you, 
now, if they're about the same, that may make more sense. So you say, you know, balance wise. Sure. So if you have $20,000 in car debt, $20,000 in student debt, knock out the one that has the higher interest rate first. Makes sense mathematically. However, if there is various balances on those accounts. So if your student loan is a lot lower, maybe 10,000, auto loans about 20,000, it may be easier and kind of this is where we get into the psychology that you and Quentin and I talk about all the time is should I pay down the lower balance first or pay down the higher interest rate? And a lot of the time the debt snowball that we talk about a lot mm-hmm. relates to kind of Dave Ramsey's motto and stuff like that. Attacking that lower balance first, knocking that out then you can roll the payment from what you were putting into that lower balance into the higher balance one and then start knocking that out as well. Mm-hmm. I think that is normally the methodology we talk about to young people whenever they're going through this kind of process or dilemma. Yeah, and it's called the snowball method because like a snowball, it sort of gathers momentum very quickly uh, and really adds up quickly over time to where you see a pretty big dent start to happen in those debts. Uh, so I think that's interesting. I think there are some considerations when you're talking about uh, student loans versus something like an auto loan, mm-hmm. um, credit card loan, things like that. You know, uh, keeping in mind that student loans can potentially have some additional options uh, within there. So you have, you know, income-based repayment plans, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the forgiveness period over, um, uh, you know, if you're paying on it for a long enough term, there's actually forgiveness periods and things like that. If you're in a qualified payment plan and things like that. So there's certain considerations that you have to look at when it comes to student loans to go, okay, what is the trajectory of my income in my life? And does it make sense to aggressively attack this? Um, or am I going to end up paying significantly more over time? So uh, for some people, especially people who can uh, qualify for uh, uh, public service, student loan forgiveness, mm-hmm. uh, things of that nature, or can get on income-based repayments, Uh, things of that nature, sometimes it actually doesn't afford you to aggressively pay those down. Now, I know there's, you know, mixed opinions on whether or not you should rely on student loan forgiveness, things like that. But for some people in some occupations at some income levels, that's a viable option and a good way to manage through with the current rules and laws Mm -hmm. around student loans, uh, some of these higher balance student loans. Now, if Alex is making a pretty significant sales commission, I'm going to say one, he's not in public service, right? Uh, Two, it's going to be hard to qualify for things like, you know, income-based repayments and things like that, um, depending on, I mean, we don't know what his base salary is, so we don't know what nine times that is, things like that. So I'm working off the assumption that he's going to eventually pay off his student loans in the entirety. Um, if it were me, I don't know the entire situation that Alex is looking at. I personally would probably in this situation target the auto loan first, mostly because it's a depreciating asset. So uh, uh, automobile is going to depreciate and you're eventually going to need a new one. Mm -hmm. And so if it sounds like the interest rates are really close, I don't know the balances. So it's hard to say in that, but those kind of things being equal, I would probably attack the auto loan first simply because uh, you're going to need another auto at some point and kind of getting that paid down and making sure that it's not, that car is not depreciating uh, below your outstanding loan Mm. would make me feel more comfortable when the time comes that you need it. Plus I think uh, you can get that paid off. It's going to feel good to know that that auto loan is paid off. Then you might actually want to assess, you know, do we pay off more to the student loan? Do we need to start saving for the next auto? What does that look like? So uh, while normally I would go, yeah, pay down that auto and then aggressively pay down the student loan. In Mm. some situations, it might be more advantageous depending on the 
again, the interest rates, the student loans versus auto loans, it might be more advantageous to go, let's save up some money so we can buy, you know, uh, replace this car if it's getting old with a, you know, slightly newer, but still significantly used car for really cheap with some cash. And now we don't have an auto loan. We have a slightly newer car that's in, you know, not going to get need maintenance and things like that. And now we can aggressively hit those student loans. So there's little nuances there that I would want to know more about and look at. Right. That that makes sense. And I think I like that strategy. I think that makes sense, especially with as well. You kind of touched on student loan forgiveness is kind of maybe on the horizon. There may mm-hmm. be some, um, you know, forgiveness or knockdown of there's some talks about ten thousand dollars. There's talks about more. Uh, things like that that people may want to wait on, keep making the minimum payments, but then attacking that car loan aggressively. But we haven't even talked about the last part that he mentioned when yeah. he talked about investing. So this is a question we get a lot. Mm-hmm. For people that have outstanding debt, what is your policy or what do you think about whenever we think about debt as well as investing at the same time? Certainly. So uh, obviously, if you can get a employer match in your 401k, um, it's not exactly 100% return, but Figuratively speaking, you put a dollar in, they match it for a dollar. That's roughly 100% return. I mean, people at home are going, that's actually exactly 100%. Yeah. But why I say it's not a 100% return, it's not, you're not getting a return from the stock market. You're just getting free money from your employer. Right. So don't leave that match on the table. Um, That's really important. It's hard to make that up on the back end five years from now after you have your debt paid off and things like that. So keep that in mind. If your employer has a match, you know, put in the 3% or 6% and get that. Um, odds are after six, 12, 18 months, you will really not notice that that's missing. Like you'll adjust your life to compensate for that, uh, in a lot of circumstances. I know some people are, you know, living with a much tighter budget. Uh, but a lot of times when, what we've seen is when people really make a commitment to actually kind of putting that percentage away, uh, over time, they're able to kind of cut something out, make that work. And they're setting themselves up for a really good future when it comes to retirement. Right. Now, investing outside of of something like that while you have debt, you really have to ask a question. Uh, well, one, is it prudent? Um, what you're effectively doing, when I say prudent, is you're allowing yourself to borrow money over here to invest it over here. Because so long as you have outstanding debt, you are effectively borrowing money to fund your investments. Mm-hmm. Now, is that logical? Can that work? Mm, in some circumstances, uh, yes, it can. So, for instance... Uh, we upgraded to a family van uh, recently, a year ago. I don't know, something like that. But we're also looking for a house. Well, minivans are not cheap, and we needed a down payment for a house. Whenever the right one comes along, that could take a while in today's mm-hmm. market. Uh, so we financed the van with a very aggressive payoff strategy because we wanted to make sure that we didn't throw down a huge chunk of cash, even though it was there sitting in account. Because if we found the right house three or four months later, and now all of our cash was locked up in a automobile, that didn't make sense. So in that instance, we literally did finance kind of our savings because we wanted that cash available. Mm. Uh, now it's been some time and we're getting really close to just having that paid off with the aggressive strategy. And we calculated the cost of that interest and went, it's worthwhile uh, because it's better than having to sell some other investments and do that. And it just, it made sense for our particular situation. But generally I would like to see people pay down, especially auto loans, prior to getting uh, aggressive with, say, taxable investing and other things like that. Um, because, again, that's a reoccurring. You're going to need another auto someday. It's a depreciating asset, which means the price of the car is going down. And so those things work against just having an auto loan while you're trying to save and invest at the same time. Now, 
Student loans, it's really a case by case. It's going to come down to the balance that you have, uh, the length of time that you've been paying off of it, what your income looks like right now, things like that. So there's not a one size fits all there. Right. But I do think that the argument against that, Mm -hmm. people would say, well, I can put my money into the markets or something like that, get a 10% return. I'm only paying 5.3% on an interest rate. I get a 10% return over here. I can totally cover my payments. However, Mm -hmm. if the market goes down, and likely when the market goes down, the economy goes down as well, if you're not making nearly as much on those commissions at that job, you don't want to have necessarily that payment sitting there. And then you're going to think, oh my goodness, I have this money that I've been investing. I need to pay off my debt now. Yeah. But now you're now you're stuck. So a lot of the time it's a good strategy in order to pay off that debt early on before you start doing investing in brokerage and in taxable accounts. And stuff. Yeah, it's important to note if you've only been paying attention to the stock market for the last 18 months uh, since, you know, working at home during the pandemic, uh, there will come a time in a season um, that the stock market goes through turbulence and that, that it goes down for some period of time. And sometimes it actually stays at those levels for multiple months, uh, if not a year or two. So uh, just keep in mind that it is not guaranteed to return 10% right. annualized every year, though that might be the long-term averages. Long-term averages don't equate to uh, individual results that you see on a year-by-year basis. Excellent. All right, guys. Thank you so much, Alex. That was a great question. You're going to get a $25 Amazon gift card. I'm Alex. Make sure that you all send in the questions. Like we've mentioned before, send in some video questions for us. We would love to see your faces and put them up on YouTube in order to not see us just listen to your question here. So I like seeing you. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they do. Who knows? But we would love to get those video questions in. Thank you all so much and have a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your questions aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decisions, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.